Hello and welcome to Spotlight on Inclusive Coaching, a podcast series brought to you by Active Herefordshire in Worcestershire and the University of Worcester. The series aims to inspire and inform aspiring coaches across all sports and disciplines who are interested in gaining knowledge about how inclusive coaching can have a huge impact upon the athletes and the differences and similarities about how it should be approached. So we're inviting coaches to engage with us, take away some tips and see how they feel about inclusive coaching. There are six podcasts in the series covering a mixture of sports, ice skating, football, tennis, athletics, rugby and basketball. In these interviews, we're going to discover how our coaches have adapted and rounded their skills to become more inclusive and what it requires each time they step on the pitch, the court or the arena with their athletes. We'll talk about the challenges faced and the incredible rewards too. This episode is a conversation I had with Dan Thorpe. His main coaching background is in tennis, coaching locally in Worcestershire before ending up as head of coach development at the LTA for several years. He's also coached and run tennis academies in China. He now runs Redgate Sports, which is a Worcestershire-based program which delivers sport to children who don't normally get the opportunity to play. They deliver sport and mentoring, well-being sessions for children who are in the care system from low-income families and have special educational needs or are vulnerable in some way. He talked about using his experience as a volunteer to tailor what he does, putting the athlete and their needs first, which is a great example of inclusive coaching. Here's what happened when I chatted to him. Uh, my name is Dan Thorpe. Uh, so I, I do a few different things in sports, but I suppose the coaching role that I, I'm, where I'm mainly practically coaching at the moment is in my work at, with Redgate Sports. We deliver sport um, to kids who, I guess, might normally not get included in sport. So uh, we like to help kids get involved. We like to help them get involved and get active, but we also like to help them through sport as well. So it's, it's getting them active, but it's also using sport as a vehicle to support them so that they can um, you know, develop their skills and, and sort of develop their outcomes in the rest of their lives as well as, as, well as their sport. Um, and on your coaching journey... What's that involved? Because I know you've been heavily involved in tennis previously, haven't you? Tell us about that. Uh, so, yeah, so I've been, in, I've been in sport my whole career um, and, and tennis has been the majority of that. So I started off locally, so I started off Malvern, in Malvern. So I started off as a tennis coach uh, and got involved doing lots of coaching around the county, um, coaching a whole range of different players. And then from that, I progressed into a few different roles. I ended up getting involved in coach education. Again, a few more roles there. And then I ended up working at the LTA where eventually I, prog I progressed uh, head of coach development at the LTA. So I was based down in London and running the coach education programs around the, around the country. Uh, so I did that for about seven years. And then from that, I then went to work in China, which is a bit of a, a crazy one. So I went to work in China and ran a, a chain of tennis academies in China. Um, so when that finished, so I did about 12 months in China. I then came back and one of the things I wanted to do was to sort of build my work up a bit closer to home. So all along like London, China, and all those things, I've always lived in Worcester. And so one of the things I wanted to do is to build my career a bit closer to home. Um, so that's where I started getting involved in the projects that I'm in now, in mm -hmm. including Redgate Sports. Just, just take us into a bit of detail about the programme itself then. Um, so at Redgate Sports, we, um, we work with uh, mainly with schools or other organisations who are, we would call the referrers. So what they do is they refer children to us who they think would really benefit from being involved in sport and from the other support that we offer. Um, so generally speaking, the children that, that come to us are either in the care system, uh, so they're looked after children, um, they might be on free school meals, they might be have a special educational needs plan, 
Um, or then we have a sort of a fourth category, which we call sort of vulnerable due to some other situation, which is a little bit of an open category. Mm. The first three categories are specific groups of children. The fourth one is deliberately um, a bit more vague. So the, so to say generally at schools, we'll refer the children to us. And then what we do is we go to them and we deliver, um, deliver the program in their venue, so in their school. So sometimes that will be one-to-one. Sometimes that will be small group. Um, if it's one-to-one, then we deliver sports but with a mentoring program that goes alongside it mm-hmm. if it's a small group we deliver um, sports but with um, with a focus on well-being so we sort of develop those sort of other skills that come with sports so communication confidence and, and those kind of things more mm. sort of verging towards leadership type stuff um, in terms of what sports we deliver we deliver a wide range of sports so the idea is we go in and understand what the kids might like and we deliver that or might have already had some experience of it. If, if they've done something, we start with that. Mm-hmm. But we also very much try and give them an experience of a range of sports. So we, um, we sort of, um, you know, we'll do quite a bit of tennis or cricket or rugby, um, basketball, those kind of things, stuff that they might not normally have, have tried. Mm. So often if you go, you know, most of them have done some football, but we might actually try and take them away from that quite quickly mm. and get them to try some new things. We think that that tends to work quite well. So that's the programme. And then um, we, the, I suppose the important point about the programme is that it's open-ended. It's not some sort of six-week programme. Mm. We just go, we go in and we keep going until, um, until the, the kids are ready to move on to something else or the school have had enough of us. It's not a, it's not a fixed term. And then what we're, uh, what we're trying to do is to think about how we can sort of move the kids on and develop the kids' involvement in sport. So that might be within the sessions but it also might be starting to progress and to be involved a little bit more in school sport or an after-school club, or it might be even about starting to join sport outside of school. Mm. So a crucial part of what we do is that progression on to being an established participant. It's not just a one-off sports experience. It's about trying to, um, to take the kids and develop them through, as I say, to support them in life while we're doing that. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's, what, we try and, that's what we try and do. And, and do you find... And is that part of your experience coming through there where you're kind of putting them in places, you know, in those those sports that they haven't tried before? So kind of a little bit of out of that comfort zone, but still in under that broad umbrella of, of coaching within experience. the within the sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, very much so. And I think so it's the I think the variety is is really important. So, we you know, give them some of what they already know and what they already like. Uh, and let them have some of that, mm. but also challenging them to try something new that they haven't tried before, mm. uh, I think works really well just in terms of, uh, it works really well with the kids in terms of um, just it gets them all, if, if, if you've got a group of kids and you've got two of them have played football and one of them hasn't, doing football is difficult. Whereas if you've got a group of kids and actually you do cricket, then actually none of them have played cricket. Um, so that puts them all in the same position, which is mm-hmm. good. But also the fact that they're trying something new opens a whole range of stuff in terms of how you talk about it, the questions that they ask and mm-hmm. the things that they learn from it. You know, they can then go and start to learn about the game or whatever. So, so that idea of going with what they know, but trying to get them to find new things, I mm. think is a really important part of the programme. Good balance. Yeah. OK. Um, and would you say Redgate is the place where you kind of most experience that idea of inclusive coaching? Yes, I think I've always in, my, in all my work in coaching, particularly my work at the LTA, we've always um, discussed inclusive coaching. So it's always been a theme that's always been talked about. And it's always been something that I felt I had a grasp of. I think it's been interesting. It's been a bit of a journey for me to actually get involved sort of back at the coalface a little bit and to really understand 
what it is and what's needed and um, and I suppose that's been quite interesting for me because it's sort of re I realised that some of the things that I thought previously um, aren't necessarily the case so it's been a it's been a sort of a fun thing to get involved in which which leads me into the next question I suppose about those those lessons you learned so what what sort of things would you say became more and more obvious as you went along that journey um, I think the um, the most important thing that we've figured out as we've sort of started to work with a range of different a range of different kids through the program is that we've got to be flexible um, and we've got to uh, we've got to really work hard to understand the needs of the children that come to us so that we can make sure that we adapt the program to give them the, the to give them the sport experience that's uh, that's right for them and that, that helps them that helps them progress so I guess that it's it's that sort of not over planning and understanding that we need to really learn about the children that come and then build the program around them and their needs. I think that's where we've had the most success because we've been able to, you know, to build the program that's right for them. I think the other thing has been about listening to the people who are already supporting those children. So, you know, all the children we work with are already somewhere. They're always being, you know, they're being looked after with, by an agency or by a, um, a school or somewhere like that. And those teachers that are working with them know those kids better than anybody else. So the, the easy win always for us is to make sure we have a good chat with them, talk about the program and figure out how, um, how to best to go forward from there. And were those the biggest challenges in, in, in getting it right, kind of getting to know, I suppose, not just the, the children, but those, those people around them as well and, and using that and, and taking that into the coaching side? Um, I think the biggest challenge has been... Um, I think the biggest challenge for us currently is getting enough coaches to um, to come and join us and to and to deliver the program mm -hmm. because the, you know we've got there's lots of demand out there and there's lots of kids that need help getting into sport, um, but actually getting coaches that can um, that can come and deliver the program and, and are really right to work with us is the bit that's probably the hardest. So in terms of our you know what's what's you know, if anything's holding us back at the moment, it's actually about um, coaches to come and work with us and deliver. And, and on that, what is it about them that needs to be to be right for them to be able to do it in that environment? Um, I think the most important thing is that the coach is, is interested and um, and wants to play a part in terms of in terms of helping the kids. I think it's not it's not that there's some sort of coaching skill out there that most coaches are missing. I think it's actually just finding coaches who are um, who are available and are interested in this space. I think if, if, if they're both of those things, then I think we can work with them and explain how the programme works. We can get them up and running quite quickly. So it's not, a, it's not like a coaching skill that's lacking. Mm. It's, it's more like um, availability of, of, of the right people with the right kind of interest. That's the bit that probably holds us back the most. And what's the solution there, do you think? Or what you, would you suggest? Is it, is it about just a, a mere, the idea of people broadening horizons? I think... Um, no, I think it's about us. I think we've got to go and uh, we've got to go and tell people about the program and get them to come and uh, get get them to be interested and to come and join us. I think that there's lots of young coaches out there who I think we can provide some great daytime work to, uh, and I think once they find out about the program, I think it gets their interest to come and join us and work with us. Mm -hmm. I think there's also lots of people out there who are in slightly different fields who can also come and work with us and add a huge amount of value. So, for example, we're now working with a few teachers who um, might have a day a week free. Maybe they work maybe three or four days a week. And actually, we're getting them to come and work with us for a, like half a day a week or something like that. Because the, the experience that they bring from the teaching side mm. is just, you know, is huge. So that we can sort of bring, them, bring their experience into the program. And that's been working really well. So take us through some of your experiences and, and 
where you think you know occasions or, or programs where you, you picked up you picked up a lot that you took into your coaching and the way you do it I think the things that have got me here and I think that have got me delivering well here is I think I'm probably good in terms of understanding people so I'm, I think I'm quite good at um, getting to know the people that are in front of me getting to listen to them and understand I suppose what's brought them to this point and what's what are they trying to get out of this and what are their needs so mm. I think that's a uh, so I think that's an important skill, if you like, that I've developed over the years. Um, I think the thing that um, specifically got to me to this point in terms of running this program is actually not a sport thing. It's actually from outside of sports. So that was because when I finished working in China and I came back and decided to start building my work a bit more around Worcester, I got involved doing some volunteering for a children's charity. And I was doing so I was working as a mentor for the children's charity. And so I got in, that was a bit crazy because it was something I'd never done before. And all mm. of a sudden I was working with some kids as a mentor. And these kids come from a range of different, um, different situations and different challenges. And that was quite a learning experience for me. And then it became quickly apparent while doing that that none of these kids were playing sport. But actually sport had a really valuable role to play for some of the challenges those kids were facing. So it was that that then made me think that actually I need to start connecting these worlds together. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm sort of starting to meet these kids through the mentoring program. I've got all this sport experience. Well, actually, I need to try and connect these mm -hmm. two things up and see if I can actually help some of these kids get involved in sport and also help them through sport. So it was so for all my different coaching experiences, it was actually that experience as being a mentor yeah. for the children's charity that actually got me to... Uh, to this point here and the irony I suppose that that was actually away from the intensity in the environment of pure sports coaching absolutely do you think it was that element of it that made it I suppose help complement things later on it was certainly it was it was just it was a massive learning experience for me and it made me think about everything that I'd I'd experienced previously mm. in sports so when I was in sport previously I felt that I was involved in making things inclusive whether or not that's the right word but I felt that I was making I was helping making things inclusive because maybe we were thinking about access or maybe we we're thinking about price or there was a few things around there that I was thinking okay I know about inclusion I'm doing this mm. what was interesting when I started to do the mentoring work is that I was meeting kids who were so many steps away from sport that the work that I was doing with my sport hat on was irrelevant because they they were so there were so many issues and barriers and there were so many steps away that they were never going to get near the program that I've previously been working in. Mm. So that made me realize that if we wanted to really help kids get involved in sports, we needed to go and get them and then help bring them across into sport. Mm -hmm. So what the sports sector tends to do is, sit, is create sports programs and then say, we want to be inclusive, please come and join us. And that works to a certain extent, that gets the people that are just on the periphery of sport. And so the learning experience for me was to go and meet some people that, when I sort of started to speak to them about their experience and their life experience, I realised that they just, just they didn't even know that it existed. So I realised that something much more was needed. Where it was this idea, that we have this idea of we go and get them and we help build a bridge across that brings them eventually into, into, the, into sport. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was the thing that, um, that yeah. It was just really significant for me in terms of in terms of Redgate Sports happening. Hope you are enjoying the Spotlight on Inclusive Coaching podcast so far and taking some inspiration from our guests. We'll get back to that conversation shortly, but we just wanted to make you aware of the other episodes in the series. There are going to be six interviews with the different coaches plus 
an introductory episode where we sit down and discuss all of the coaches' chats with the people behind the podcast, the Active Herefordshire and Worcestershire Partnership and the University of Worcester. That introduction episode is available right now, plus there's the conversation we had with wheelchair basketball coach Simon Fisher. He's had experience at the Paralympic Games and European Championships. And he talked to us about understanding things from your athletes. He engrossed himself in his sport in the early days. I think the biggest thing about wheelchair basketball for many people is understanding you don't have to be in a wheelchair to play the game. So we'll have many people that what we call walk to the court. They could be overbodied, they could be uh, amputees and they get into a wheelchair to play. So therefore the ability to move a chair is, is, is actually one of the hardest things. So I spent probably a good part of that first year I was coaching actually going to other sessions and joining in. You know, my arms hurt, my shoulders hurt at the end of it, but they could see that I made the effort to try and be part of their sport. That episode with Simon and all the other episodes are available at activehw.co.uk. There's more details there, or if you want, just search for Spotlight on Inclusive Coaching. Right now, let's get you back to this conversation. You know, taking it down to those 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 introductory stages how do you convince someone <clears throat> who doesn't know anything about the sport or it, you know for whatever reason doesn't think it's the right thing how, how do you go about convincing someone to, to to take up a sport because that's part of the coaching if nothing else before the sports even started isn't it mm. I think it's a good question I think that the first thing is is that generally people tend to refer children to us who they feel would have would have some sort of interest so what, what the schools or the carers are not doing is saying, well, I've got a child here that has no interest in sport. I know I'll send them to a sports programme. Mm. They tend to think, actually, they're not playing sport, but this would, we think this would be great for them. Mm-hmm. So they tend to, so we're, we're onto a bit of a winner there already. Yeah. Having said that, most of the children that we receive are not playing sport currently. Um, but if I'm honest, we've never had a problem. We've never had a problem convincing anybody because if you get the environment right mm. um, and you... you um, you make it to meet their needs, like yeah. we said in the first place, mm-hmm. then you're, you're always on to a winner. So we, we set ourselves up to win. We, we, we have um, small groups. We've got great coaches. We find out what sports might be of interest. We've got an idea about which sports tend to work well. And we, we, we create an environment that when the children arrive, they want to, they want to take part. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not about a cell, really. It's about creating something where there's a welcoming environment and there's a feeling of safety and then they want to, yeah, great, let's get involved. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's, there's, I don't think there is a cell. Do, do you, does that mean you form almost like a, a, a checklist of what makes those, those sessions and that, that, that element of sport inclusive and easy to take part in? So does that mean, you know, you mentioned about group sizes, mm-hmm. um, you know, can you just maybe expand a little bit more on that and what is what you think is required to make that possible? Yeah, so group size is key. Mm. So definitely we're talking about children who have not played much sport and who have significant barriers in place towards getting involved in sport, then you need to be winning in terms of group size. Um, is, is, I mean, is there a set? number for that and drilled out is there a set number or is it completely depend on the activity the coach depends a bit but we work one-to-one sometimes okay um and then probably the biggest group we might go to would be maybe a one-to-five or one-to-six but we like to work in either um one-to-one or one-to-three tends to work quite nicely one-to-four could work quite nicely as a group and is that purely just to to be able to divide attention 
Yeah, it's just to make sure that yeah. um, if you've got children that have, so for example, if a, if a child's got some special educational needs, um, then you just need to make sure that you've got the time within the session to be able to uh, to be able to work with them and support them, so that they can mm. they can thrive within the session. If you create a, a big group scenario where you've got ten kids, a lot of noise, a lot of people running around, then just immediately that tends to tends to be a bit of a struggle. Mm -hmm. So the small the small group really helps. Okay. I think the um, next key for me is about developing rapport quickly in the session. So I think the first the first 10 minutes is, is really important. And I think you've got to become an expert at how to develop rapport. And you've got to be aware that a lot of the ways that we traditionally develop rapport are actually quite intrusive. So, so how we think about developing rapport. So when we came and we started chatting about today, we start talking about, I, start, I was asking you about where you work. I think you were asking me about my breakfast. You know, we, we ask each other, we get into each mm -hmm. other's lives quite quickly. Now, actually that's, that works with us, um, but it doesn't. So that natural method of developing rapport doesn't always work. So sometimes what you've got to do is things like, um, so things like sometimes what I'll do is I'll leave my equipment in the car or I leave the equipment off the court. And so, that, so the kids arrive, I might just say, um, well, actually, I'm, I'm not ready yet. Um, can, you, can you help me get set up? So we'll just go and, we'll just go and get the kit. Uh, and then, so you create a sort of a, something that's happening. And then in that, you can then say, you know what you've been doing today or um oh, i like what tell me about those you know what i mean you just find yeah. sort of neutral things to talk about and that's the starting point in terms of rapport and from there you could then start saying you know tell me something good that's happened to you today or you know how did you tell me about home or you know that's a it's a, it's a build to get to those points so that so the starting point of the session and that ability to, to develop rapport mm. from children who might be struggling a little bit I think that's that's really important. As you know, not not right to step in and expect to start the coaching from from the word go. Yeah, that yeah. that especially, and, that, and I suppose that works a lot better in a smaller group as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and I think okay. the other thing that we do, and uh, I, I think this is just good coaching, but I think we probably do it we do it well in our sessions, is that we we don't break the sports down too much into their fundamental skills. So too much of sport, too much coaching is is stuff's broken down too much in coaching. Mm. So you might see like kids doing like a like a single skill of the of the sport. Whereas I think what we try and do is we're trying to not only teach the skills, but we're actually trying to teach the awareness of the sport. So I think we get very quickly into into adapted full game situations where the children is getting the sense of this is what the this is what the sport is and this is what the sport feels like. So I think you need to get that sense of the sport mm -hmm. very quickly. And then once you've done that, a few weeks down the line, you might then start to say, actually, should we practice some of, you know, do you remember, do you remember the, when we were playing this last week, let's practice some of this, whether it's bowling or free kicks or you know, whatever, it, whatever it is from that particular sport. So I think a lot of coaching starts with skill first. And I, I don't think that works as well in this situation. I think you need to go into open and to, and to get people into quite adapted but fairly realistic feeling situations so they can get the energy and the excitement of the game mm. and then you can get through that you can then start to tie them in further down the line in terms of you know learning how to throw or learning how to bowl or hit it or something like that so we have so we have lots of lots of like game early mm. um i think that's that's another thing we do well in the sessions so 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 group size that that establishing rapport and and breaking down not i suppose not breaking down 
not breaking down Coaching too much. So, much. so you've got to Work break it down, yeah. but you've got to keep it looking like the sport. Mm-hmm. So you break it down, but you break down like the way that you score, the amount of the rule, the way that the rules are interpreted. So it's obviously, you know, so you have to make it easy to access, mm-hmm. but it needs to look like the look and feel like the full thing. Mm-hmm. I think if you can do that, then you'll get the kids into it much more quickly. I was going to say, yeah, and then and then what kind of, I mean, you'll have seen it in your experience, by doing that, what are the better results you get from that? What does that achieve by, by you know, going through those kind of three important steps? I think, well, you get their engagement in the session uh, and they start to develop some enjoyment of, uh, they develop enjoyment of sport. And then, uh, and then through that, we then start to build in the other aspects of the session, which is about trying to develop their communication, um, develop their self-confidence and those sort of things. So those, those things start to develop as well. Um, but they sort of get a bit of a love for the sport as well. So ultimately, as a program, that's where we're trying to, to aim for mm-hmm. is, you know, can we get them to a point where they start to think about, actually, I've really enjoyed doing these sessions, usually within school, or maybe I'll think about doing something, um, you know, outside of school or joining a club or something like that. And when we achieve that, that's our... Like gold standard achievements. That's yeah. a real happy day when we managed to um, to make something like that happen, and we have done. But, I was gonna, yeah, so it's, uh, we've had some real good examples of success where kids have actually started to join football clubs, cricket clubs, rugby coaching, uh, mixed martial arts. I don't know where they got that from because they didn't get it from me. But um, so we've, you know, we've got kids that have started in the program with us, mm. having not played sport, who are now um, you know, members of a, of a club in their local community, which. For them, in terms of where they started, is like a you know is a mm. massive achievement. So, where, where does that rank in your kind of proudest moment as a coach, seeing those sort of things happen? Uh, yeah, good question. I think it's up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been a few that have been that have been up there and have been a bit sort of, um, you know, it's like tugging on the heartstrings slightly. Um, so I suppose it's hard actually because I've got such varied things. So you know, I've got kids who progressed into national national competitions in tennis. So that's, you know, that's pretty big um, in terms of me personally, you know, achieving like getting the role at the LTA was big. But I think, you know, it's, it's very different, but it's it feels just uh, as exciting that we managed to get a kid go from not starting at all and not being um, included to actually mm. joining a sports program locally. It mm. sounds crazy, but for, the, the, but the, for me, that journey is is as big as that journey from you know, beginner player to national level competition. Yeah. So, um, is, is there, what, can you remember any particular one piece or good pieces of advice that you've been given that you'd pass on to coaches who are, who are looking to do that, that same thing and take people on that same journey? Uh, advice, so, advice I would give somebody. Um, or, or that you've been given that you'd pass on. Um, I think the first thing I would say is do it. So, I think there's um, too much talking about it and... Um, one of the things where my program came from is I was working in the sports sector and I was involved in lots of conversations and lots of meetings that were talking about being inclusive. And I suddenly realized that actually everybody was just talking about it. And I then started to do the mentoring program. And I was like, well, hang on, we're all talking about it, but this kid isn't doing anything. So that would be my first thing is, is actually, well, just get out and, and do it and make a difference. And then, you know, learn about it as you go, um, rather than, you know, don't, overdo it at the start just get out and get involved I think uh second bit which we've covered on a bit is, is is focus on the needs of the children I think that for me is is massive um and I think the final thing I would say and this is um again something I think we try and do in our sessions and I would look for in in other sessions when I go and watch them 
is is coach with the same purpose in your sessions uh, with uh, with children that you come into contact through an inclusive type program. Coach with the same purpose that you would coach if you were coaching like a you know a performance player in tennis or a or a top under fourteen football team. So I see. Um, I think that the coaching sessions, all children deserve the same sort of purpose and intensity in the coaching session. Um, and you just need to understand that you might deliver it in a slightly different way. But your, um, your sort of your goal and your aspiration for the, for the player has to have the same sort of intensity as it would do if the player was you know, going for a national title. Sort of what we're trying to create is something that, is, that really treats them as individuals and understands what they want, gets them involved in sport and thinks about how they can progress. So, you know, we have this idea of this purposeful journey that we want them to be on and our coaching will reflect that. So there we have it. A huge thanks to our guest and of course to you for listening to this episode of Spotlight on Inclusive Coaching. Remember, if you want to know anything about the Coaches Academy or get more support on your coaching journey, then go to the Active Herefordshire and Worcestershire website, which is activehw.co.uk. We'll see you soon.